Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul. Angeline. And today we're talking about a question. The question was, are there any RPGs that are prehistoric? Not that were written in prehistoric times, but that are about prehistoric times. <laughs> I, I don't think that, well, supposedly they didn't write in prehistory. So prehistoric RPGs, now, that seems kind of a weird what genre it, genre setting. But, you know, it's weird if you look it up on, you know, on like Reddit and stuff like that. People ask the question all the time. It seems like a interesting place to to set a game. Now, we're talking about actually playing prehistoric people, not like time traveling and going into prehistoric times. So that is really a niche kind of a gaming. And for me, I, I would think at first I would think I was thinking that it'd be tough to find like adventures for that. Or wh what would you do? in that setting so i guess it'd be kind of like a post-apocalyptic setting where things are scarce things uh survival is a big deal uh fighting food after reading quite a few books or the, the few that i did find which i thought was quite a few i found uh i thought it was funny that you found one of them in your bookcase oh yeah yeah well, well the, I didn't. That one, remember? Okay, that was no. like a, that was like a lot find, right? I found. Well, we went to a a game store called Game Castle, and they were getting rid of they're getting rid of all kinds of stuff because they were moving. They were going to shut down. Uh, was this during the pandemic or right before? It was during. It was during, right? Like when it was lessening last year. Anyway, we were able to go, and there was just this pile. I mean, a table full of just rpgs and books and stuff and i was just like oh and everything was like five dollars remember that every book yes so i just went to town <laughs> he did <laughs> I, I bought i don't know how many it was a pile it was like a good two feet of books that yes and then the person goes well i won't even charge you for this and this and then he looked i looked at this one and i go oh it's an rpg it's by osprey publishing and i'm like oh and so i bought it that's how it ended up in my collection the other ones that I found that... Did you the, say the name of it yet? Because I don't think you did. Oh, the book I found was called Paleomythic. Uh, other books that I came across were one that was done by Jeff D. And I didn't kickstart it because I kind of thought the same thing. I was thinking, what could you do? And I just couldn't, in my own head, I couldn't wrap up what the adventures would be like. And the other one would be, I didn't gauge, but I, I did, I guess. I gauged the interest that my players would I was trying to gauge how much interest a game like that would have with my players. And I kind of figured it'd be around zero. So I have plenty of other games that have a hard time trying to get to the table, which are more interesting to me. So I did not kickstart that game called which Cave was, Master. Uh, but uh, oddly enough, uh, more recently, there's this French game out there called Worm, W-U-R-M. And it was, it was kickstarted around 2019 to make a English translation of it. And lo and behold, it is now in existence. I think it's owned now by Chaosium. So you can get it through their website, both hardback and the PDF. Of course, PDF you can probably get at DriveThruRPG. And uh, and that one's like a nice, beautiful art. I guess the, per the original author of the book was an artist. He was an artist that wrote uh, comic books. And a, lot of, and a lot of comic books dealt with prehistoric men and their adventures and stuff like that i don't know the name of the comic books but but uh he used a lot of that stuff that he did for making his comic books for the rpg so 
there's some material out there for setting. So when I came across this question, <laughs> I said, what? Because I wasn't sure exactly what it meant. I was thinking time traveling, right? Or you accidentally walk through some kind of, you know, wormhole and there you are. But when I was reading it on Reddit and what's the other one? I don't know. Online, it was very, there were a lot of people talking about it. And I'm like, oh, and I remembered that, is it, is it GURPS? GURPS. Has a... Ice Age. There's also, um, what's the other one? The Dinosaurs and... Cadillacs. And yeah, I remember reading that. I remember reading about dinosaurs. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. A world where dinosaurs and, were, and men are together. But then I, I found it, I go, well, that would be kind of hard to, to do because dinosaurs are pretty big. So then Saul and I started talking about what kind of game could you run with um, in the setting? And I was thinking what came to mind to me was when people discovered fire. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember that discussion. Because I, I, I was trying to wrap my head around what kind of a, a quest could you go on, right? Quest for fire. And then I was thinking about it and... <laughs> And then, you know, after I read a little bit about it, and then I go, oh, well, you could do like you're, you're going on a hunt to get food or there's a bear or a saber-toothed tiger right. stalking your village, that right. kind of stuff. If you have a village. Yeah, you would have a village, a tribe or something. So I thought it was a... I live in a cave. So at first I thought it was a very odd setting, but now I can see that it would be kind of cool I don't know. I think Saul might be right. Some of our players may not find the setting appealing, but if you, I think if you presented it in the right way, they would. The, a quest for fire or something. Although the only when when I think about it, Monty Python is what comes to mind to me. The you know the kind of goofy. Yeah, just because I would have a hard time taking the settings too seriously. It's like a it's like when you're doing a post-apocalyptic setting, right? Right. You know that it's very serious. Everything is scarce. It's kind of scary. So I would kind of feel the same way about this kind of setting because there's a lot of unknowns and and different things could kill you easily because there's no medicine. There's It's not a civilization. It's just little tribes here and there, right? You would think, right? If you're trying to play a very uh, straightforward prehistoric game, you're right. It would be, what's his name, Hobbes, the nasty British and short life. And by all accounts, from what we gather from the bones and archaeologists and everybody, all these other people, they didn't live very long, right, the hominids. And some of these books don't even deal with humans. They deal with only Cro-Magnons and the other one. I didn't write down. Cro-Mag, what's the other Cro- <laughs> Neanderthals, that's right, right? So... But there's but uh, the, every, each rule book that I found, that I have and I and what I got is I got the PDFs which were pretty cheap and uh, <laughs> and and the rules are are varied right some of them are are quite game like you know there's they have uh, attributes they have uh, statistics and stuff like that other ones are less so they're more like they're more loose and not so. Uh, not crunchy. Not crunchy, right? Very rules light, because they're cavemen. So I was, I was also wondering about what kind of adventures they could take. And when you were talking about the fire thing, I remember the Quest for Fire, that movie from the 
eighties or nineties? And Jolene doesn't barely couldn't even remember that that I kinda movie. remember the movie. I remember that I didn't watch it. I remember that Saul was watching it and I thought it looked really boring. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is there's, there's no dialogue. Hence the reason that <laughs> Jolene probably fell asleep. So I think in that kind of in that kind of setting you can you can make a game, maybe a one shot or a short adventure. I don't know about how many people would be interested in a full campaign. Uh but easily you could because people's lives are pretty short and ended pretty abruptly probably. So you would have this campaign of a tribe maybe. But anyway, uh I thought it was interesting. I I kinda looked at at it that way. Uh what would you do or what kind of games but but actually you know it would be be games like you said, it'll be quests for things for even even if we don't really know how much of their belief system, we can kind of extrapolate how early man used, looked at nature and found wonder and found and figured and try to figure out what what it was right lightning, uh, thunder, uh, weather big weather patterns and stuff you know like you know, tornadoes and stuff these forces of nature and how they what, how they dealt with them or what they thought of them. We can extrapolate that people saw them, obviously saw them with wonder and respect and, and being scared of it, but also trying to figure out, trying to figure out what, what, what it was. And I'm sure a lot of them thought it was some, do they, we would think, do they think of a supreme being or gods and stuff? Surely later on they did. So what, you know, what could have they thought back then? Anyway, I thought that was interesting. Uh, the movie Quest for Fire is an old movie, is I guess you can call it boring because there's no dialogue and there's a lot of grunting. And stuff. I wouldn't necessarily call it boring, but it didn't appeal to me. Right. I liked it because it was an interesting idea. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it, I think I could say the spoilers of the movie. Or the, I could get to give you the gist of the movie. I won't get into the details, but it's over 30 years old. So I don't, Spoilerville is probably late. The Statue of Limitations is over. This tribe of early humans or Neanderthals, I'm not sure what they are. But they have fire because this lightning struck a tree and they were able to keep the fire going. By, But suddenly they lose their fire, right? Because it rains. Or the fire keeper messed up. So he's sent on a quest for fire to go find fire. So he doesn't know where to go. So he's just wandering. Him and his fellow people are wandering. And they come across, in the end, they come across this tribe that is able to make fire. Of course, the, this other tribe looks more human than they do because they... The other ones, the ones that lost the fire, like Crow Magnet, they got the big, what is it? The ridges? The ridges on the on their forehead. He's pointing at his forehead, so. Yeah. Uh, eyebrow to the, the really Crow Magnet like, while the people who are make fire uh, are much more humanoid. humanoid. And they make fire by rubbing the stick with a bow and starting it that way. And, and then they're like, ooh, ooh they, you know, I, don't know, I hate to make, make the sounds, but they're like, oh, you know, they're, they're, they're all excited. And, uh, and I don't remember much about other much other than that much about the movie. I mean, like I said, I watched it. That was the impression that he got. Yeah, that's the gist of the movie. So even that, even mimicking or mirroring that kind of quest, quest for fire or quest for something they found needed, right? For well, like making tools, tools and stuff. Which on the boards on online, they were talking about the two things that I, I found interesting because the gamers, right? So the gamers are thinking because gamers, how would spell casting, how would you have spell casting in these things and how would it work? So they're thinking shamanistic stuff, right? And the other is weapons. 
and hit points. How would you do fights and hit points couldn't be very, very many because there's a lot of dangerous stuff in there. And then they had a whole discussion on tools. So you could, what would you make and how would you make it? And would you, how, how advanced would the civilization kind of stuff be? Those were the things that the gamers were talking about, which I found very interesting. You, okay, here's the setting. Okay, here's the things we need to know. How does magic work and how does fighting work? That's true. I mean, because obviously early man or hominids, let's use that term, they were in a tough world, right? They, they were up against beasts that were large, fearsome. Now, I never knew this, but I guess men and dinosaurs, well, I knew about dinosaurs, never coexisted, right? The dinosaurs are millions of years ago, and early hominids are around 65,000 years ago. I mean, the ones that we can find the bones of. I think I forget how far back we can. They actually found bones, but I'm going to say 65,000 years. Most of the books that I have or the, the three uh, books, four books, uh, RPG books, all deal between the time period of either 10 to 35,000 years ago, depending on how much civilization you want. And, I, and they talk about weapons. They talk about flint weapons, which I guess is, you know, flint and obsidian, which can make very sharp things, but also be very breakable. Yes. Right. It can cut you very easily and break at the same and time. And break at the same time. And then there's other things like uh, bone, right, ivory and stuff, which would be very valuable because it's ha really hard. And you can make pokey stuff like spears and stuff like that. I like that term. Pokey stuff. Pokey stuff. And then there's, you know, just a sharpened spear, right? With no head, just wood. And that would work for a, for a little while anyway before it get in blunt and stuff. And, of course, you have clubs and you have stone axes and stuff. So there's all, the, all these books mention all that stuff. Now, all of them, all of them have a, all of them have a system for magic. And they all say, well, you don't have to use magic. But it probably adds a little bit of more excitement in the game. And, and, and it's exactly that. There's no wizard, right? Because they don't know how to read. So wizard is totally The tablet, the, the stone tablet uh, scroll isn't there yet. <laughs> yes. You know, you're, you're talk, we're talking about people, a people who didn't know, by all accounts, did not have a written record. The, the magic that I think of with, is kind of like when we play Conan. Um, where you, even if you are a magic user, it's not necessarily, you don't actually know what's going to happen when you use it, right? Yeah. Okay. And that um, you don't want anybody to know that you are using it because they might kill you. Yeah, you can certainly look at it that way, or you can want to, everybody know you, you know how to use magic, because uh, then they'd be scared of you and respect you in a certain sense, and find you valuable, especially if you can do like, healing people and creating fire and, and protecting the tribe or your small group, your clan, however you want to look at it. So like I said, each book does it differently as, and they'd say it depends on how much, how much the GM wants it to be historically accurate. And I'm using air quotes because Jeff D who made cave master, it was interesting because on one of the, I was on drive through RPG and you can leave comments. Right, and this one person who had bought the, said he loved the rules and everything of K Master. I'll, we'll talk about it in detail. But what he found a problem with was that he made up hominids. Right, he made up, just totally made up these groups, different groups of people to in inhabit Cave Master, the world that he mm -hmm. made. 
And he did. He goes, why didn't you just use the real ones? The Cro-Magnon, the Neanderthal, Neanderthal, and even even early humans. And and Jeff D had a very because he responded. And, and that's what's good about certain authors is like even on a on drive through RPG. I don't know how many times he visits it, but he answers a question. And he says, well, the problem I had is even as I was uh, we thought about it, but even as we were writing the book, they kept discovering stuff that they didn't know before. Right. Right. I mean, in, in reality, real people, I mean, in, I mean, in real Today. science. Right. And so one of the things that's pretty new is they were wondering about Cro-Magnon, I think Cro-Magnon and, uh, or Neanderthal, I forget which one. Neanderthal. I think it's Neanderthal and, and humans were alive at the same time, or yes. early humans. And there's always the question whether they could interbreed or couldn't interbreed. And the answer is yes. And the answer is yes, even though at the time nobody had figured it out. And for a long time, I guess certain scientists were saying no, they couldn't because they're too. But different. then came along came DNA testing. <laughs> well, then they found these bones, right? Yes. And and they and they found the bones of a Neanderthal man and a, well, male and an, and a, and a, a human hominid female, and they were trying to figure out what's going on here. And then they had a baby or they had a kid, and they all died at the same time. And I think they died in a like a flood or mud or something. So they found these people fossilized and, and they were like, oh, maybe he was, you know, attacking her or she was defending the baby and this and that. And then it turns out, no, because the baby had like features of both Cro-Magnon and, uh, you know, the bones were so, yeah. so, a certain way. And then you're right. DNA really made a big, huge thing when they're going, oh, we could test for, for, for different I think types there's of a, I think the village is in France. Is it France? No, it's Germany. Germany, where they... They were testing, testing all of these guys, right? All of these people. And they discovered that they had uh, Neanderthal. Yeah. Not only that, they found a guy in Germany. I don't know his name, obviously. It was a while. It's been a while ago since they found this. So they tested his DNA and they found that they, he was a huge part, not huge part, but he was quite, had a large percentage of Neanderthal, like 12%, which I, I got to wonder what he looked like. And... And that they found the, like an ancestor of his who lived not more than 15 miles away from him. Yeah. Which begs the question, do people move? <laughs> no, the answer is no. I mean, that well, is anywhere. A, that's amazing, right? That's amazing. I and mean, we're talking thousands of years and his family lineage didn't move. Well, I mean, I'm sure his family. Some people, some did. people did. But the fact that, that there's still an ancestor who had to live like 10,000 years ago. That's just amazing. Well, but but I've told you this before yeah, people that people usually it used to be they stayed within two miles of where they were born. Correct. I now that. I think it's like sixty miles, and that's not everybody, obviously, because some people pick up from California and move to Texas or New York or Florida, yeah, or somewhere but, else. But but for the majority of people, like and Saul and I are perfect examples. We've been other places, but we literally both live around sixty miles from where we were born. For me, exactly 55, and you probably a little bit less. Yeah, I don't know. Berkeley's and I don't know how far. 45, 50 miles. Yeah. So I'm literally within 60 miles of where we were born, Yeah, which we didn't always. Well, he he did. I didn't always live 60 miles from where oh, I was no, born, yeah, all over but I ended up in that. So to me, that makes perfect sense, right? Throughout history, that's kind of crazy that this guy had an ancestor that was yeah, like... Yeah, <laughs> that, that is crazy. So... That is interesting. I mean, I, I always, I, when I read that story, I was... So what was his answer? His answer was Jeff D. His answer was... Oh, so his Jeff D is that, that we made stuff up because 
everything was changing. He goes, even as we were writing the book, it was, it was probably that they found that DNA. They found they could test DNA for Neanderthal. And the whole idea is that you couldn't mix. And then all of a sudden, boom. Because he wrote Cave Master in 2015. And I don't know how long ago that DNA stuff study came out. But uh, but he said it was all continu continually evolving. And even though people said, oh, they had these people who, let's, let, let's say people in the 70s and 80s who had, were absolutely dead fascinating. No, there couldn't have been any interbreeding. Two separate people. And then years later, you find... Well, obviously, they did interbreed, right? So it's very interesting. And so he just said, couple that. It's easier to go with completely not, completely right. fictional versus trying right. to be realistic right. and then and then have it change. And it's like, change. and uh, the, the perfect example I think of is Twilight um, 2013. Right. Tw because they, they have this idea of the Third World War, right? Right. And they, so when it was written, so when it was written, they thought this is what could possibly happen. Right. And none of it did. So <laughs> it, it's, it outdated itself pretty quickly. Right. Right. The same with, um, the same with Shadowrun, the idea of these huge, com or, you know, like you have to jack into the computer and stuff. And now we just carry it in our hand. Right. Wireless. So, yes. so that the using fictional stuff, it seems easier than using real history because because right, right. there's not enough known about it because you're gonna get it's because it, it, history it's might gonna change history might prove your game wrong right yeah or the future or the, so i could see that i could totally see that so that was his answer and i took it for what it was uh and it's true you know that way he, you don't have to worry about facts coming out that would make change your game so he just completely ignores that and says made up i didn't really look get into the whole races of the different groups but but anyway so that was an interesting uh, aspect of, of of creating that particular game. So the first game that I came across, well, not came across, but I want to talk about is Worm, which was a French game. Again, like I said, this this guy was an artist, 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 and a writer for comic books, and he used that background to make a Paleolithic game, set about thirty five thousand years ago, and he really takes an archaeological look at the game, and he tries to stay as as Historically, historically accurate. accurate yes as he could and it's really neat the system is this well that's amazing about each of these games i really like the systems each one is really cool and really neat uh so the system works good uh if you look and and uh look at the reviews everybody loves the way the game runs and then of course you know there is a section about magic and and you're right. This this guy, when he wrote the book, he's obviously French. He wrote the book, and he was he used shamanic uh, tradition and then sorcery, like it comes from your yeah. own. So interesting. I uh, like I said, uh, it has to do uh, with dice pools trying to hit a, a target number. I think it's really neat. It's actually a very beautiful book because it's, it's it was done in color, and he's an artist, so he. <laughs> He took time, you know, making the art for the book. And it, of course, it's art that was like, he specifically, when he was thinking of the RPG, he had these ideas in mind. And of course, he had all this, uh, all these old pictures from, uh, or all this old art from his comic books that he used. So it's pretty neat. I think it's, uh, it's a full-blown book. Everything you need is in it. It's beautiful. You can get a hardcover from Chaosium. Uh, I, th I don't think it was a Chaosium book, but but or published but it was uh he also like picked it up 
because he kickstarted it and then he didn't have a publisher you know because kickstarter doesn't you know, usually don't. so maybe they just published it right right after afterwards is what i'm saying because yeah. he published it back in 2015 no no 2018 this one a worm so, does he does he have any kind of adventures in it uh, did you look at this that? one worm does have a lot yeah he has uh i think there's at least two uh, volumes called voices of the ancestors volume one volume two and they're uh, compendiums of adventures my my question is or my comment is France is where they have those big caves with all the art, the people art, the right? The caves, yeah. I don't know. I'm and I was back. thinking versus versus the United States, we don't have cave paintings. We I mean, have we have petroglyphs. We have petroglyphs, but not. It's not quite as old. Yeah. Well, just speaking about that, is that you know people have said that early people in the Americas was about maybe five, six thousand years ago, according to the timelines of everybody. You know, everybody agreed. But like you said, history or facts or records, what do you want to call it? Evidence keeps breaking that number, right? I think that they just found a bone or something that is like 10,000 years old, a full 4,000 years older than they thought it was. And then some people, well, that scientist goes, and I don't think we've gone far back as we think we're going to go far back. I read the article and he was saying that early people could have been in, in, in the Americas as far back as 20,000 years ago, which shatters the record of how many, how long. But they be. don't have any evidence of that yet. No, but he thinks it, they'll find His it. His theory. Yeah. So I find that very interesting because uh, the caves in, in France, I think they're like. They're way old. 35,000 years, I think. I'm thinking. I don't remember. I mean, no, I know they're famous and I know the story about some little kid finding them. And, and I think it's very interesting. And those are very detailed paintings, you know, they're, they're nice. They've been kept. Okay, they're not detailed paintings, they're... Well, they show animals yes, and yes. they're painted too. And then they're, they have like different, you can tell the different kinds of animals that they were yes. hunting. They showed them doing different things. That's what I mean by details. Well, the petroglyphs in the United States are like... So there, there you go. There is evidence of real life changing what scientists and archaeologists thought about early man in the, in the Americas even. Which is so so this one looks interesting. What's the next one? Uh, so worm, it, it's uh, like I said, it's by Chaosium. It's about thirty nine nine nine. You can probably buy it on sale. They might be having a sale. Right Would now. it be worth it just to buy it for the pictures? Yeah, it's uh, the art is really neat. I mean, so like... I, I assume that this book will find its way to my house sooner or later. <laughs> Actually, when the Kickstarter was happening, I thought about it. I like like Cave Master because Cave Master was two thousand fifteen. This one was in two thousand eighteen. It was published. Oh, when I brought you this question, you said, I don't know. And then all of a sudden, like five minutes later, oh, yeah, there's this one. And then there's this oh, one. I, I, you know, sometimes there's only so much capacity RAM in my brain to hold all this information, which you sometimes say is ridiculously uh, useless, right? <laughs> like when I, when I knew the baseball players that were announcing. Yes. Games, you're like, oh, my God. How do you, how do you know that? <laughs> I don't know. It has to do with uh, fantasy baseball since 1981. <laughs> okay, so, so that's Worm. Nice book, beautiful book. You can get the PDF for like $14.99. Chaosium, if you buy the book, any physical thing, they give you the PDF. Now, certain people don't do that. Certain companies don't do that. But Chaosium, same people who make Pendragon and all that other stuff. So so the next one is Cave Master from, from uh, Jeff D. It was Kickstarter in 2015. Again, I thought about it. 
Again, the idea is who's going to play this game with me. Uh, they were kind of cheeky about the game, right? The tagline was, we play a game that cavemen would play, the RPGs that cavemen would play, and how they would play it. So would cavemen, be, would cavemen have dice? There's no evidence that cavemen had dice, even if they had the ivory and the, and the tools to make dice, because they have you know, bones and stuff. But there's no evidence that they had dice. But what they did have was rocks and sticks. So this game is played with rocks and sticks. So you get your dice pool, well, stone pool, of how many of what your skills give you. All they are is either you have them or you don't. For everything you have, you get a stone. A stone. You get a stone. You get stones. So then what you do, whenever time you come into conflict or you have to do something or have an opponent, you have you separate the stones into your hands. Do you literally get stones? Yes. Well, you could use dice, but... You know, they say stones. You get pebbles or whatever. Do they give you pebbles or no. do you have to go and get them? Just like any game, you got to go get your own stuff. Okay. You don't come with pencils. Okay, right? just check. So they give. So you have these stones. Let's say you have uh, your skills give you seven stones. You separate those in your hand any way you want. Kathy would like this this game because she would make you get gems for it. Whatever. Though. Well, that's what the whole point of the yeah. most of the games is. Not for money or gold, but to gems, things, the shiny things. So you separate those, whatever your dice, your yeah, stone pool yeah. is, into your hands. And then the opponent picks the hand that they want. And whoever picks the highest number of, and has the highest number of stones, mm-hmm. wins the competition. Okay, wow. <laughs> that's it. That's the, that's, the, that's the thing. Of course, there's other ideas. There's other things that, that mitigate the, the stones. But, you know, whether you have a tool or you don't have a tool. Or, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. So anyway. Uh, it talks about uh, it, and Jeff D. This is the one that he does. He right. has the different, different the f- races made up, made up uh, early hominids. Yeah, uh, like I said, the rules are super simple. Uh, <clears throat> and does it come with quests? That I don't know. Okay, I think he has a book of. I I think he has uh an adventure to like available free. You could or, put that in the in the notes. So the next one uh, I was going to talk about is Paleomythic. Now, Paleomythic, mythic part, you got to look at that. So what it's presupposed, it gets ri- it, it takes place in ancient times, 35,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. But it, 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 or maybe even longer, it depends on where you want to put it. And, it. and of course, it's mythic, right? So it has nothing to do, he, they use actual, actual early people. Uh-huh. Or humanoids. Yeah, hominids. But it, it's in a world of... Uh, it's in a world where these hominids exist and there's like ancient civilizations before them. Ah. Ruins. So there's things about exploration. Uh, these civilizations had a lot of knowledge. And so you are early man exploring these ruins, going on quests. And of course, it's a mythic thing. So you have priests who are able to throw spells. And of course, you have shamans and stuff. And, and fighters. And uh, well, of course, fighters, but you also have, uh, what is it, uh, sorcerers. And this book is actually uh, done by Osprey, Osprey Print Publishing, which, you know, they're really into war games. If you ever, in the old days, if you ever went to a, a D&J hobby here in, in San Jose, they, they would have Osprey Publishing books, which dealt with certain regiments of, of, of the army from English, Britain, oh, yeah. all through the ages. They're usually very thin, uh, maybe 
maybe at the most 100 pages, but they would tell you everything about We have that. some of them because we bought the Greek and the Roman ones when we were doing Greek and Roman history and, and, at San Jose State. Okay. Well, there you go. And they're, they're very, what do you call it? Osprey Publishing at the time was all about war gaming. Well, that, that was what their, yeah. their target audience was. So they told you about the flags that they carried, their standards. What, what the uniforms look like, what the colors of the uniforms and the medals and all that stuff. So it's very interesting that they started, pub- they just recently started publishing uh, role-playing games. And a lot of them are like miniature, not, they're not role-playing games, they're like miniature games. Like uh, Gaslands was published by Osprey Publishing, I believe, or, or a game like that, where there's another one, you know, they have all kinds of different uh, miniature games, very small skirmish games. But they started publishing uh role-playing role, game. role-playing games and one of them is this one called paleomythic it is in a small format i forget what it's called i think a5 or whatever where it's, it's not quite the full eight and a half by 11 full color color inside so it's not it, it, it's a prehistoric game but it, it's mythic right it, it's it's all fantasyful in a certain sense but there's all kinds of tables in it that you can all kinds of tables in it you can look and uh so it's crunchy on. A little bit crunchier, but it still it kind of reminds me of it. Kind of reminds me of, uh, but anyway, it's a very s- solid system. I haven't played it, of course, but it looks like it's totally playable. It, uh, I don't know if they have any adventures for it. Not adventures. Oh, it does come with an adventure at the back. Adventure captives of the beastmen. Ah. Oh. So there's beastmen, like people, who, uh, people who are not quite human. Uh, it has a random name generator and stuff. I mean, this stuff is pretty neat. It has pre-generated characters in the back, of course, a character sheet. And there's all kinds of tables for make ventures on the fly, right? Like a quick adventure, adventure seeds, they call them. Uh, another one that I didn't really get into, I didn't get to look up and I don't own, is, of course, Ice Age by Steve Jackson Games for GURPS. This was published like 1989. And it was a really neat book from all accounts. I had, I didn't buy the PDF, and I don't have the book. No, I don't have the book. But uh, it was a it was a first foray into the, this. Is a, you know, nineteen ninety is a long time ago, and it was about dealing with an uh, living in the ice age. So basically, this this in exact uh, prehistoric times. Like I said, I didn't read it. I don't know much about it. The ice age isn't totally prehistoric times, but well, you're well. 10,000 years ago. I mean, yeah, but... It is prehistoric because it didn't know how to write. Is that what prehistoric means? I don't know. So, I think so. Anyway, so there's a lot of stuff out there. If there's if there's uh, any of these catch your interest, especially if you're interested in prehistoric role-playing, I think you can pick one of these up, no problem. This is Gaming Perspectives with... Saul? And Jolene. You have a good day. <laughs>